Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. The leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we are indeed, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Did anybody see those snowflakes this morning? Yeah. yeah. What? I know they're they're super small. Oh, okay. So they're they're big enough for like tiny snow things, but not big snow things. I know. I like big snowflakes. Those are good. Those are good. But we have, we have a lot of time for that. It's, it's a long winter. We can wait. I've got, a, I've got a scenario for you. I want you to tell me what's going to happen based on what you see at school. Okay? Can you do that? Whether it's preschool or whether it's kindergarten or whether it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, doctorate level work. Tell me what you see during school. Now, here's the scenario. There's two kids. One's big, like really tall, like bigger than Gabriel, okay? One's big, and one's little, so smaller than Jack here. They're, they're arguing. They're fighting. What's going to happen? Anthony. Sent to the principal's office, yeah. Little kid's probably going to get beat up, yep. Bigger kid's going to tell on the little kid? Ooh, reverse. Yeah. You think the big kid's going to win? Probably. Unfortunately, the big kid's probably going to win. Now, is that good? No. 
No, not really. Sometimes. But typically, it's not good to beat up anybody, right? In today's text, we have Jesus... Uh, we have the story where Jesus dies on the cross. Now, Jesus is part of, or is, however you want to say it, God. God, I think, could be the biggest kid of all, right? We, you and I, not so much. There's a whole lot of stories in the Bible. In fact, that's the main story in the Bible, where us as humans and God aren't getting along. And God would be the big kid, and we would be the little kid. How does this story go? Does the big kid beat up the little kid? No. No. What happens? Cooper. Sometimes we're bad and we have to go to timeout. Yep. Um, but what happens in the story of God with us? Phineas. Uh, um, my, brother, my brother and me wrestle. Sometimes you wrestle. That's in the Bible. Did you know that? There's one human who wrestled with God. <coughs> and sometimes we wrestle with cousins. But when God loves us, and God always loves us, the story of God, the big kid, and humans, the little kid, it's always that the big kid loves the little kid. We aren't beaten up by God, are we? No. We are loved. That's different. That's different than what we see in school. That's different than what we might do even to one another. If God doesn't beat us up, if God doesn't force us, if God loves us instead, what should we do to the little ones around us? Yes, Anthony. We should love those two, right? Can you guys think of anybody who might not be treated great, either at school or at home? Can you guys think of anybody that you might not treat very well, either at school or at home? Yeah? I want you to think in your head about that person. I want you to think how you can treat them more like how God treats us. As someone who loves someone and not as someone who beats someone up. Does that make sense? Is that hard? It's very hard. But it's worth it. We love God, or we love one another as God loves us. Very good. Shall we pray? Yeah. Yeah. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for being a good, good God. For loving us even when we don't deserve it. For being good to us in the midst of our disagreements and our struggles with each other. God, I ask that you would highlight, that you would stand out those people in each one of our lives that are struggling, that are in need, that are the little kid. And that we would be good to them, just as you are good to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
the name of Jesus. Amen. This is a rhetorical question, so don't shout out your answer. Have you ever had a relationship with someone or someones that's not going very well? Have you ever had a relationship with someone or someones that's just full of tension, full of animosity, full of just not getting along? Somehow, somewhere along the line, you've established a dance where just no one's happy at the end of it. Have you ever been in something like that? It could be with one people, it could be with a group, but I think we all have those experiences. We're probably not super proud of them, but we all have those experiences of just, this isn't working. I've had that experience. I mean, many, many times over, but I've had that experience. And there's one that always comes to mind. It was a job that I had in college, and this particular person was constantly on my case for getting my work done. Now, I always got my work done. But I was just constantly driven by this guy. Where we usually got off the mark is the way that in his mind the plans changed and I wasn't privy to those thoughts. So when he would say to do something, I would do that thing. And then he would come back and then all of a sudden the plan is a little bit different than it was before and we wouldn't get along. Now, I tried a number of things that a lot of us try when we're not getting along with a particular individual. I tried doing the very nice thing, and I would approach him, and I would say, you know what? I think we're just a little bit off base. How about we start fresh? How about we start new? I'm sorry for it if I've offended you in any way. And he would usually respond with a very kind, shut up, I'm your boss. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> if you know me very well at all. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like being bossed around. And I try my best not to be angry, not to be frustrated. But as a college kid with a little bit shorter temper than I have now, and it's not incredibly long, my second front was to just get right up in this guy. I mean, he would shoot something at me, I'd shoot him right back. And it's just constantly we were at one another. And he outlasted me and inevitably I would lose. And that, that didn't work either. And so I did the third thing that a lot of us do when we're in those experiences. The end of the summer came, I was back off to college, and the primary manager of that, of that facility said, hey, you think you'll be back next year? I said, no. <laughs> no, no, I won't be. I didn't have another job lined up, but I didn't really care at the moment. There's some things that no matter how hard you try, and let me tell you, I tried every day with this guy. I just couldn't find the solution. I just couldn't find the way to fix that relationship. I couldn't figure out what it was that could make us tick. To this day, I don't know what I could have done differently. And I don't think it's all on him. He got along with a lot of people at the company. We did not get along. I don't know why. The story of God and humanity is one of just not being on the same page constantly. The story of Jesus, the story of Christ the King Sunday, which we celebrate today, 
is one where we look at not an empty tomb. We look at the cross. For Christ the King Sunday, for being a king, we look at not an empty tomb. We don't look at the resurrection scene. We look at the cross. Because that is where God changed the story. That's where God changed what it meant to be king. I want to read you something from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now in 1 Samuel 8, let me set the scene. Eventually, after God promised to Abraham that he would be a father of Uh, he and Sarah would be a father and mother of nations, a multitude of nations through his descendants. Eventually, remember Joseph and his 12 brothers and the somewhat technicolor dream coat? That's not in the Bible. The technicolor part is not in the Bible. But eventually, he and his brothers wound up in Goshen. From Goshen, they eventually became slaves in Egypt and they made the famous bricks without straw. After Egypt and after crying out, God sent Moses and Miriam and Aaron to deliver them out of slavery into freedom. And after they crossed the Red Sea and the chariots and horses were drowned, they almost entered the Promised Land, but then they didn't. They wandered around for 40 years. They entered the Promised Land again. They go through the entire book of Joshua conquesting all of these nations, on all of these towns that were eventually to become the Promised Land. Then we get to the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, we go through and see that At first, the people governing the people of Israel were very good. We have people like Deborah, who were just incredibly smart and gifted leaders. And we get all the way through the book, and towards the end, we have people like Samson, who kill 40 people with the jawbone of a donkey, and he doesn't really know what he's doing in a position of authority. At the very end of the book of Judges, it becomes very, very evident in very, very gruesome ways that the people are not governed very well on their own. We get to the book of Samuel, and we see that Samuel is a good prophet. But when he gives that leadership and authority over the people of Israel to his sons, they simply take bribes. And so the people cry out for a king. They see it in other nations, and it works, or so they think, and they cry out for a king. God is the one who is supposed to be leading them. God is the one who is supposed to be leading the judges, the prophets, and everybody else. But they cry out for a king. And so when they do, this is what Samuel does after talking to God. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and some to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you, you will be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Then we get Saul. And Saul didn't work out too well. Then we get David. 
And David's all right, except for the times that he's not. And then we get Solomon, who is incredibly wise, but also incredibly for himself. And he amasses wealth and riches for the kingship of Israel and not for the kingdom of Israel. And eventually the kingdom divides and eventually outside imperial powers take over both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and they are cast into exile and the people of God have no promised land and they have no home and they have no temple. But even when they come back and rebuild the second temple, they are controlled by an imperial power. And when we arrive at the point of Jesus hundreds of years later, we are still struggling with this concept of a king. Because what a king does, in the words of Samuel, has been done in every kingship of Israel and every foreign imperial power that controlled Israel from that point till the time of Jesus. Constantly we see a similar theme. When you're put into a position of power, you take that power and it is, in time, used for self. Eventually, this is who we thought a king should be. We started to tell ourselves, and we continue to tell ourselves to this day, this is what a king should be. We tell ourselves that it's okay for a king to have incredible riches. It's okay for the person in power to have incredible riches because, after all, their job's hard, right? We tell ourselves that it's okay for incredible extravagance to be spent on the person in power. We tell ourselves that it's okay for the person to take the best of everything that there is in that position of power. It's okay. They're the ruler. That's simply how the world works. And, just like David and just like Solomon, I guess it's okay until it's not okay. Eventually the people cry out. Eventually there's injustice in this format. It's hard to point to a person or place in history where this kingship hasn't had serious and significant flaws for the people who live underneath it. Christ the King changes our understanding of what to do with power. Because the triune God who dies on the cross has every right, has every bit of authority to be the big kid in this relationship and just pound us into the ground. Has every right and every piece of authority to not be killed by God's own creation. Has every right and every piece of authority that he needs to simply plow over creation and start new. But that's not what God does with power. God does with power is to embody it, dwell among the little kids, the least of these, and to love. To change the conversation to a point where one 
who is not in a position of power, who is not in a position of authority, can have life too. Now, it's a nice concept until you reach the cross. God gives God's life to those who would end it. It's not that God gives his life for us. God gives his life to those who would end it. God gives his life to those who would not find it sacred. God gives his life to those who do not know what they hold. They do not know what they are doing. The reason God does that is to show us a different way of life. We do not have to take the power and authority that we are given and use it to our sole advantage. We do not have to take the money that we have and use it strictly for self. We do not have to take the things that we have access to in this world and think only of ourselves or of our greatest need. We can instead be the type of king, the type of person in power, the type of human that God was. We can be the type of people that God would have us be. We can be something else than what we see in this world. The world can change. The world can change. I want you to hold in your head that person or group of people that you struggle with. Hold them in your head again. Hold them in your mind. Now I will say that just because Christ the King shows us a different way of being does not mean that all of a sudden you have the magic number or thing or trick or whatever it is that can change this relationship. I still don't know what to do with that particular person. But I do know that it is not an acceptable solution for me to plow over this individual. I do know that as much as it depends on me, I must live at peace with those around me. I do know that as I take stock of myself with the authority that I've been given, either as a pastor or as a white human being in this world, with whatever economic, whatever gifts and abilities as a human, whatever authority I have in society, that that is to be used not for my personal gain, but for the least of these in my community. We are not to be like the kings that surround us, but like Christ the King. Hold those people who you struggle with, who the dance is not very good with, I consider in a prayerful moment of meditation what it is to be Christ the King. You are, after all, little Christs, Christians. And this day and all days, may God teach us a different dance. Amen.